If I only had one song that I could sing you, or a story I could tell before I leave. If I only had one message I could bring you, there's no question it would be about the cross. Take your Bibles, if you would, to First John. Now, for a Bible believer, anybody that's read much of the Bible, if you're saved for a while and you read the Bible, this, this is one of the more classical passages in 1 John chapter 1 there. It's, it's just, it words it like no other place in the Bible so clearly. Um, and and the, the, the struggle of what I call the disconnect. The, the title of the message this morning is, We Must Connect the Dots. We must connect the dots. In verse 6 there it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. What John is simply wording there is the connection between uh, worldview and behavior. He didn't use those words, did he? A lot of words tossed around today. There's a lot of surveying going on. I think the polls after the election, they're probably just going to, most of them guys are going to get out of business and quit that whole thing. Uh, the problem is that we silent majority folks, when they call us to give our opinion, we, we'll hang up on them. And uh, so they go to the next one. And uh, it's interesting how oftentimes the liberal people are more than happy to give their opinion. But we folks that are conservative, we, we don't want to be bothered. It could be because we actually have jobs. where you have to pay attention, where you have to concentrate uh, a full eight hours, you know what I mean? Where you have to actually, actually have to be there with your mind, body, and soul, not just show up. And so I don't know. They don't either, by the way. I've listened to all kinds of things the last few weeks. They don't know what happened. They don't know what went on. But I can tell you that the folks who voted, a lot of those folks did not answer those polls. There is a group called Barna. You hear me refer to them often because I really do like surveys. I think sometimes surveys can help you. Sometimes, like you see what you saw on the surveys or the polls of the election, if you don't get everybody to answer, eh, you got to take some of that with a grain of salt, but it does give at least some indication. Uh, the Barna does these surveys. started in 1984 as a group began to look at values and beliefs and attitudes and behaviors of people and try to get an idea, and really primarily for born-again Christians. Uh, they, there's, they suggest a large part this survey company suggests a large part of the moral and spiritual decline in America is from the absence of biblical worldview among Christians. That's a statement from them. Uh, we have Grady McMurtry come by, and Grady uh, often deals with worldview. Why? Because he's dealing with, a lot of times, skeptics. One of the things, Grady has to have a hide. I say a hide. You know what I mean by hide, right? He has to have a skin about that thick. Because Grady goes into these secular colleges with an absolute opposing opinion in every way you can oppose somebody else. And he gets there and just he just slugs it out with them, man. He took on, I told you, Gulf Coast University took on our whole science staff. He said, go on, bring them all on, as long as we do it decently and in order. And one guy against everybody that showed up there was unbelievable. 
how well he did. So, so he, he, he's into this on the college campuses and among the millennials. You'll hear the, the, the terminology, at least, worldview. What, what is your worldview? Because they're being taught a situation I talked to you a couple weeks ago about postmodernism, changing their behavior by their worldview. Uh, carefully surveying, uh, Barna surveyed 2,033 adults across the nation showed that only 4% of the adults surveyed have a biblical worldview as a basis of decision-making. I don't know if it's more or less 4%, but the point being that there is a whole bunch of people out there that are making decisions without the aid of the Bible. I hope that's not you. Uh, there's no wiser book on how to live in this old world and survive out the other end uh, well than this book right here. All you young folks out there, this is not. This book is not passe for your grandma and grandpa. Uh, this is for you. As soon as you can get old enough to read, you ought to be reading the words of God and the Bible on helping you develop a biblical worldview, and it will change your outcome in the end. Common sense says if Jesus Christ came to this planet as a model of how we ought to live, then our goal should be to what? Act like Jesus. Should be to talk like Jesus, right? Should be to walk like Jesus. Jesus was born into the world, not just to be a, have a day off on Christmas once a year and talk about babies and sing nice songs and, and be able to give gifts and have all. And you ladies love Christmas, you admit it. You love all the tinsel, you love all the decorations, you love all the pomp and circumstances around it. And we men, we like the presents. My wife uh, gave me my Christmas present. I just want to tell you this for your future Christmas because it's too late for the past Christmas. Well, I suppose you could go out today, but I doubt it. But uh, my wife bought me a gun. Now, that's a woman there. She bought me a Colt. She bought me a Colt, what they call snake gun, Dale, and never been shot. 1953, never been shot. Now that is a woman that has a worldview that's lined up with her husband. At least she's lined up with her husband, amen? Well, she's read this book enough, or her and I read this book through, we read this book through and read this book through and make this our reading and make this. She's washed that Bible through her so much that the Holy Spirit said, I think he'd like a new gun. And she said, yes. That means there was no pent-up bitterness because the Bible said not to be bitter. The primary people do not act like Jesus, though they may say they believe in Jesus. They may say that Jesus, yes, he's the Son of God. Jesus, yes, he is the Savior. I don't believe any other person that came as a Savior. I believe Jesus was the Savior. Yes, I believe he physically, bodily, uh, visually uh, was raised from the dead and now is on the right hand of the throne of God. They say yes to those questions, but their lives are being lived in absolute contradiction to the Bible. It's a strange, curious thing. The people would do that. But yet they, this is what they found 
is that there was a disconnect. The primary reason people act like Jesus is because they do not, the reason they don't act like Jesus, they don't think like Jesus. They do not connect the dots, if I may put it that way. Behavior stems from what we think. You say amen to that? That's the truth I don't want to spend a bunch of time to prove. But it's true. It is true. You, you, you be, your behavior stems a lot from what you think. Our attitudes, our values, and our opinions determine ultimately on the other end your behavior. Many Christians read their Bible some. They have a little or some idea how it relates to their everyday life, but they, they, they somehow are unable to connect the dots of theology with the problems of their everyday life. Theology is not some old dusty subject that is meant for a bunch of intellectuals that don't have anything else to do and, and wouldn't go fishing if they could. Uh, it's meant for the average Christian that's down on the front lines running the bus ministry out there, out there, uh, 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 you know, slugging it out with the devil. Theology is exciting. Theology is like right now, theology is talking about the creator of all that is, and he teaches me how to survive. But not just how to make it, how to survive well. I thank God at 18 years old, I, 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 just, I looked to Jesus in prayer and said, I want, I didn't say it in these words, okay? I want your worldview. Now, up to 18 years old, I had the Beatles' worldview, the Rolling Stones' worldview, the Led Zeppelin's worldview, the Jimi Hendrix' worldview, the Dr. Spock's worldview. Yeah, Dr. Spock said, don't spank your children. It makes them violent. That's a worldview. That's an opinion. That's his worldview. How many parents raised a bunch of kids that were spoiled brats? And nobody wanted to be around them because when they lost election, all they do is go out in the street. They found out most of them kids out on the street didn't even vote. Bunch of hypocrites. They spent their time out recruiting. It may, it may even have been different, which I'm glad they didn't, by the way. And I don't want to get them stirred up. There is a discrepancy among Christians between profession and practice that should not be. It just shouldn't be. Now, now everybody knows that nobody's perfect, right? I always get a kick out of people sometimes. They give a testimony and say, well, now I'm not perfect. And we all said, <laughs> next time that happens, would you do that? Even if I'm not here. If somebody gets over and says for the testimony, I ask somebody to give a testimony, and they get up here and say, you know, it makes me a little nervous to do this, but uh, as you know, you know, I'm not perfect. Because <laughs> That's like the understatement of understatement of understatements. We all know you're not perfect. We've been around you enough. I had one time somebody got up here to give a testimony and says, I know some of you think I'm perfect. And I was sitting back there going, the dog. Nobody thinks you're perfect. Nobody. I'm just sitting back there going, no. Nobody thinks you're perfect. Now, don't not give your testimony when I ask you that I'm going to make fun of you later. I won't do it because I didn't mention any names. You don't know who I'm talking about. It's been so many years ago. Take it easy on me. Now, it's Christmas. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. I could go up and down these. Would well, you have a worldview? Wait a minute. The two, the two crab girls. 
The West Coast girls. The West Coast girls. You have a worldview? But you, you may not be able to define it real well, but you really do. If I started querying you on specific things, you'd say, oh, yeah. I said, well, where do you get that from? Why wouldn't you do that? Or why would you do that? And your reasoning process would go back to where? The Bible. If, if The Bible, go back to the book. Not, not, not whether a friend said it or Facebook said it or, or Twitter said it or somebody else said it or it was the popular thing or it was the neat thing or it was what everybody's doing because if you don't develop a biblical worldview, you will, the Bible says you'll be tossed about by every wind of doctrine that comes by. Every little worldview that comes by or wind of doctrine, same kind of phraseology, it, you'll be like, hey, I think that's right. I remember years ago they had this big no spanking the kid thing go on and books were written how, and I thought to myself, that's just a wind of doctrine. Just keep spanking your children like the Bible says. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do and God will take care of it. And in the end, you'll find out God's right. I'm confident about that. I stand up here. See, when I was 18, I was preaching this stuff, but it was all pretty much on faith. Now, God has given me a little bit of sight, and I can tell you these things work, not by just my faith in them, but the fact they actually have been seen. Everybody has a worldview. The survey found, Barnum with his survey, very few people have a biblical worldview. Duh. And, and, and they said even supposedly devoutly religious people, it said they, they found out 9% of the born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. The denominations that produced the highest number of the world, world uh, biblical view, uh, one of them was the Baptists, 8%. That doesn't surprise me. But 8%? Wait a minute, 8%? 8%? That's awful low. And it may be low. Maybe it's 25%, but that'd still be low. I would hope in this room right here, that we're shooting at somewhere around a 90, 95% biblical worldview. I spent 37 of my years of life and 25 as senior pastor trying to give you a biblical worldview. Trying to say, thus saith the Lord. This is what it says. Coming at it from all kinds of angles, all kinds of methodologies. I've worn black hats and white hats. I've had boxes I've thrown. I've done all kinds of try. I've jumped up here. The only thing I haven't done is put a clown suit on yet. I didn't do that because I didn't want you to say, well, here comes the clown. Now, when surveyed the young, two youngest generations, the millenniums and the ones above, the predominant view they had was postmodernism, what I preached about a couple of weeks ago. Multiculturalism, they call it. They also go by the name inclusivism. I go by the name relativism or agnosticism. And those are a lot of words, aren't they? What that simply means is right is determined by the culture you live in. It's not necessarily that there's no such thing as absolute right and wrong. That's postmodernism. That's why you can sanction transvestitism. That's why you can sanction homosexuality. That's why you can sanction bestiality. That's why you can sanction uh, polygamy. Because there's no limit if it's just developed by your culture. Your culture may say, hey, uh, uh, eating chicken's good. Another culture may say eating chicken's an abomination. I think I'd convert. But... What's the definition of a born-again worldview? Here it is. I quote, believing that absolute moral truth exists. Do you? 
believe in absolute moral truth. Now, I say absolute, I mean absolute moral truth. That such truth is defined by the Bible. You believe it? You believe that there is such a thing as absolute moral truth, absolute right or wrong? And then do you believe it is found in, God, in what God calls His Word? And if I may say, historically, those who believe in Jehovah God say this is His Word, starting in the Old Testament with the Masoretic scribes all the way through the New Testament, up to today, 2,000 years almost down the road. The Christians, those who followed Christ, those who followed Jehovah said, this is the words from God. So it's testified not only by archaeology, but by testimony of history. And then most test, the biggest testimony is when you get saved, the Holy Spirit says, this is the word of God. So God testifies it's the word itself. And so you believe that. And that you have a firm belief that Jesus was came as, as the Son of God, the uniquely born child of God, and he lived a sinful life. If you believe Jesus lived a sinful life, it would be amazing when, when put on the spot how many people say, well, I think he could have sinned, or I think he may have sinned. And you believe absolutely that God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the creator of the universe. He still rules it today. See, I have a real serious problem with you if you believe in evolution. I have a real serious problem because if you believe in evolution, you are not connecting the dots. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And every other place, and it's referred to all pretty much uniformly through the Bible, that God created, God created, God created. It was always referred to as in the days of a normal day, a 24-hour day. The very word that was used and the references were used. Six days, he created everything. He rested on the seventh day. Do you really believe that? If you do, you have a biblical worldview there. You say, I want both. I don't think you can call God a liar out of one side of your mouth and go to him and say, help me out of the other. Never worked for me with my parents. You know, if I wanted to get, one time I wanted a BB gun so bad I could just, I just crawl my belly like a lizard in the mud. I didn't care. And I begged and begged and begged for this BB gun. But boy, I did chores. I did extra chores. I went around and was pleasing to my, when I cleaned my room up, and I, you know, that's a job. I guess it wasn't a trumpet. You also, thirdly, must absolutely believe that salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned and is not deserved. The fourth thing, you need to believe that, G that Satan is real, that there is such a thing as darkness, and he's a personality. He's a created being. This is what the Bible says. Fifth thing is they're, they're considered absolutes is that the Christian has responsibility to share their faith with other people. You're not saved just so you get to go to heaven. You're saved to join the kingdom of God so you can spread the good news that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We're not saved for ourselves. You know the Bible. You agree with that. The sixth thing is the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. It's without error. There have been enough people hate this book. I can guarantee you all the chit-chat about error and mistakes and everything would have come out about like, what, 1,800 years ago? Because like 200 years is a long time. So from the writing of this, it's about 200 I mean, they had their chance. Uh, I mean, it wasn't assembled okay totally till 400, but even after that, there was, if there was problems with it, it could have been found out. And I've spent 
40 plus of my years of life in adult life in serious study, and I have not found this book to have error. I believe that at 18 years old, but it was by faith without a bunch of sight. But now we're a little older. Now we've had a little chance to hunt. Now we've had a little chance to use it. I'm more firm today than I was when I started with the thing. Now, look, if it wasn't true and if there had been error and if there had been problems, honestly, I wouldn't be here this morning. No. What does a biblical worldview really make a difference? How does it make a difference in a person's life? Well, here's some statistics. According to Barna, 31 times a person that has a biblical worldview is 31 times less likely to accept living together. Did I, did I get that out there? In, in England, I saw an interview recently in England of a, of a guy that wrote a book on how marriage is dead. Marriage is a historical piece of furniture. It's over. And in England, we're not going to marry anymore. And it was about how, and it was written actually by a man. It was written how men don't want to marry anymore because they get the raw end of the deal. That's what the guy said. All the men said, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to get the raw end of the deal. Right? And, and the men said, you know, you have the babies. They make you take care of them, pay for them. I mean, the women, all they got to do. You know, I mean, just the guy went into this. I was sitting there, whoa, you'd be good on a talk show. But they, they're talking about how marriage is not necessary anymore. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's where this thing takes you. No biblical worldview on him. God has given us and laid out the life of marriage as the best way. Do you believe that? See, if you believe the Bible, then you'll believe in marriage. Now, you know I can't make you believe in marriage. I can come up here with statistics. I can come up here with everything. But if getting married is not convenient for you, and if you've got to co-mingle your inheritances and co-mingle your Social Security, and that's going to get a little messed up if you get married. And so you just move into, you two old people just move into the same house. Oh, but we don't share bedrooms. We live, he's on one side of the house, and I'm on the other side. I want to know what happens when you meet in the middle. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, well, we're too old for that. Yeah, Abraham was old too. I say hogwash on all that. I say that's not biblical worldview. That's not a biblical view. Well, mess with Social Security up. Send Social Security back, but be right with God. And that's not what I'm trying to hear. I mean, 31 times less likely to live together if you just have a biblical worldview. Amen? Listen to this. You're 18 times less likely to endorse drunkenness and drinking alcohol if you have this Bible worldview. You're 15 times less likely to condone homosexual lifestyle if you just believe this Bible. You're 12 times more likely to accept That can't be right. I was going to say, you're 12. This is what happens when you write stuff. You're 12 times less likely to accept. Oh, that's correct. Okay. Just a little hiccup. It's Christmas. You're more likely not to swear. You're more likely not to cuss. 12 times more likely not to cuss. 
you're 11 times uh, less likely to accept adultery. 11 times. Uh, now look, folks, that's, that, that's big, big decision-making going on in our society. Adultery and pervanity and homosexuality and alcoholism and drug abuse, opiate abuse, and, and living together. All of this stuff can be solved with a biblical worldview. And you'll know what kind of decision to make when it comes down to the applied truths of the Bible will change your life. One out of eight of those without a biblical worldview have committed adultery on their spouses. One out of eight without a biblical. Now, you girls are getting married. Think about it. And one out of a hundred with a people with a biblical view has something to do with him with adultery. But that's a lot of difference. One out of eight, or one out of a hundred. What a difference it makes in the fidelity of your husband. Uh, man, what a, what a difference. Churches are changing the lives of people through the preaching and teaching of the Bible. It is not dinosauric. It is not passe. The same Bible that saved and redeemed and sanctified me and has held me in good place with God by His grace all these years is the same Bible that will take a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old or a 21-year-old and hold them in whatever culture they live, in whatever society they grow up in, in whatever the habits of that group of people are. If you will follow this book, it will help you with every one of those decisions and you'll come out the other end in good shape. I just wanted to say this before I quit this morning, that the least likely states that people had a world view in were Louisiana and the six New England states. Patriots. The six New England states are ungodly, according to Barna. The least amount of people that said they had a biblical worldview California was right with them, by the way. The states with the most people that said they had a biblical worldview were Texas and North Carolina. Doesn't surprise me. Churches are changing the lives of people. The emphasis of churches is not only to teach biblical perspectives, but we are here to help you connect the dots of the very core principles of the Bible. Uh, rather than just provide them and hope that you can make it on your own, we're here to help you step by step understand what it means to be a Bible believer. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For his man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We can change America one person at a time. We can. We can change America one person at a time. For the last 40 some odd years, I've been trying to change America. If I may just put it this way, I've been trying to save America. Why? One person at a time, tell them about Jesus. For what can make you change your mind on politics? Jesus. What can make you change your mind on uh, pornography? The law? Jesus. What will break you free from the slavery of smoking? Jesus will help you do that. 
What will break you free from the slavery of opiates and alcohol? Jesus will help you do that. What will break you free? What will break a person free from adultery, immorality, uncleanness, concupiscence? What will break them free from that? Biblical worldview, the Bible. So what we're doing here in church week after week on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and what we're doing is we're, we're continually reviewing the biblical view of the world, the biblical worldview, and we're saying, thus saith the Lord. Thus, and it may, it may look like we're not getting anywhere, and it may look like not much is happening, but as, brother, when I was a young man and I heard a preacher say something, those truths still are in my mind. Those still are there. I was thinking this morning of, we were, they were doing something up here in the front. And, you know, they sang and they raised their, waved their hand around, do stuff. And I thought of, I thought of a couple of sent, sentences, a couple of phrases. I thought of a couple of songs I sang as a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old, and how it still was in my mind, still affecting me by the grace of God. Don't be discouraged, you that are taking the Bible and opening it and showing people, you that are being a witness for Christ. Don't be discouraged. The things we are talking about and handling. Powerful. And if you will trust Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, and it makes sense to me, if you want Him as your Savior and your Lord, you will understand He's good and He wants the best for you. And you will you should from that understanding go to His Word and trust some of the older people ahead of you and read this thing and put this down and give it an honest, uh, honest reading and an honest repetition, and and you begin to see that these things are true, and God himself will help you to believe them. And when you believe them, your behavior changes for the right thing. See, we can force people to do right, but that doesn't make them be right. And words, people behave sometimes and obey, but they're... Have you ever heard of the teenager who's standing up on the inside but sitting down on the outside? I mean, when you have a kid, you can force them to do what you want. But do you really want that? I mean, I, I, I say sometimes maybe you have to do that. But you really want them to say, I think that's the right thing. When you're eating in a restaurant and the kid's throwing a fit, you ought to be able to say, Brother Tom, uh, and the kid goes, that's easier than taking them out in the car and convincing them. Doing it God's way is just an easier way to do it, better way. Have you connected the dots this morning? Is your life consistent? Do you say you have fellowship with the light but walk in darkness? If you do, you do not the truth. You lie to yourself. That's what the passage says there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. You say you have fellowship with him, but we walk. Ooh, we got a disconnect there, and there is a lot of disconnect because churches have left the teaching of the Bible for all kinds of other things that do not work. But the Bible will produce the fruit it says it will produce. If you will let this word get in you, and you will put some time in this word, it will change you from glory to glory in his image. And you'll begin to think like Jesus thinks. And you'll begin to want to do what Jesus did. You'll want to be able to act like Jesus acted. And that will produce the image of Christ in you. Praise the Lord. May we connect the dots. Father, help us this morning as we review a few minutes about very practical Christianity. But yet, 
Oh my, how many times I see folks not connecting the dots. How many times I see them making decisions completely outside of the biblical injunctions and going the other way and then wondering, well, I think this is good and this should be good, but have no idea. Oh, Father, as born-again Christians, I believe there's no excuse for that kind of behavior, but yet we see it. Oh, Father, may they connect the dots. May they take a new, I mean, but 2012 is coming up. I mean, 2012. A new year is coming. A new year is coming. I don't know where 2012 went. And these years are flying by. But may we next year, this coming year, say we're going to read the whole book through. I'm going to put my name up on the board as a member of Gospel Baptist. And if you're not a member, you'll go home and do it. You'll get accountable with somebody to read your Bible through. I'm going to do it by the grace of God. God help everyone that puts his eyes on those words. And as they sink into their mind and their brain, may they wash them and transform them into your likeness. Help us, Father, to connect the dots in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-947. One, two, eight, five. God bless.